0: Uh, or your devices, your Bibles on your devices. He's going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible version, uh, the CSB. Uh, So Caleb, do you want to to come up and and read that for us? What was that again? 1 Samuel
1: 14.
2: Howdy y'all. Howdy. Hey. 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 Morning. Morning. <laughs> Alright, so bear with me There are a lot of big names in here that I don't quite know about, But I'll do my best <clears throat> Now Philistine Garrison took control of the pass at Mishmash The same day Saul's son Jonathan said to the attendant Who carried his weapons Come on, let's cross over to Philistine Garrison on the other side However, he did not tell his father Saul so was staying under the pomegranate tree in Migron on the outskirts of Geba. The troops with him numbered about six hundred. Ahiah, who was wearing an ephod, was also there. He was the son of Ahitub, the brother of Ichabod, son of Phineas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest at Shiloh. But the troops did not know that Jonathan had left. There were sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine garrison. One was named Bozes and the other Senai. One stood to the north in front of Mishmash and the other to the south in front of the bow. Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons, Come on, let's cross over to the garrison to these uncircumcised men. Amen. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. His armor-bearer responded, Do what is in your heart. You choose. I'm right here with you, whatever you decide. (laughs) All right, Jonathan replied. We'll cross over to the men and let them see us. If they say, wait until we reach you, then we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up. Then we'll go up, because the Lord has handed them over to us. Yes. That will be our son. They let themselves be seen by the Philistine garrison. And the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've been hiding. <laughs> the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor-bearer, Come on up, and we'll, we'll teach you a lesson, they said. Follow me, Jonathan took his armor-bearer, for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor-bearer behind him. Jonathan cut them down, and his armor-bearer followed and finished them off. In that first assault, Jonathan and his armor-bearer struck down about 20 men in a half-acre field. Terror spread through the Philistine camp and the open fields to all the troops. Even, Even the garrison and the raiding parties were terrified. The earth shook, and terror spread from God. Amen. Amen. Terror spread. Thank you, Caleb.
0: I love this story. I love this story. I've actually taught on it and preached on it multiple times, never at Waylife, um, but at other churches, and uh, that I've served served within. You know, the, the, this this particular story. I'm really, I'm really not loving our, our sound system today. <laughs> I've been fiddling with it the whole time; it hasn't been sounding right. This particular story um, is. Um, is one of my favorites because there's some really interesting dynamics that have, that take place here. And we have to understand the context a little bit. Jonathan, that, that, that uh, we just heard about, is Saul's son, right? Now Saul, at this point in time, Saul was failing miserably. Oh, he was yeah. failing miserably. He was really making God mad. In fact, by this point, David, had been already anointed as the new king. And and Saul um, didn't know that until the prior chapter when Samuel, the prophet, said, you've been replaced. Because he went and he made a sacrifice uh, when he wasn't supposed to. And and Samuel said, you've done an unwise thing. You should not have done that. And uh, now you have been replaced. You have fallen out of fallen out of authority and out of grace. Um, uh, And and so now, it's interesting, because God did not immediately remove him. He was was still functioning as king, but without God's anointing, without God's presence. And there are leaders who are functioning without God's presence, without their anointing. And so here, in his, it had gotten so bad, in fact, if we read the prior chapter, chapter 13, it had gotten so bad that the Israelites literally didn't even have weapons anymore. The, the Philistines were so powerful and so great, they took over all of the blacksmiths. They took all blacksmiths. So they, could, they actually had to, if they wanted to, like, even garden tools right basic things if they wanted to get them sharpened they had to go to a philistine blacksmith to have them worked on and their philistines did this because because they said we're the ones that are going to have the weapons we're not going to allow the Israelites to even have weapons so what they did is they they basically took this the Israelites the Hebrews and, and, and took their weapons from them. We've been talking about the armor of God and the weapons of God, right, in, in the past couple couple weeks of the, uh, the weapons of our warfare series. And this really kind of dovetails uh, a lot into this because, because these weapons are incredibly important uh, for us, the, uh, for what we're, we're going to be talking about today with Jonathan and his armor bearer, his weapon bearer, okay? Anyway, the Philistines had taken... Uh, the, Israel's weapons. The only ones that had weapons, as it says in chapter thirteen, was Saul and Jonathan. They're the only ones that had weapons in the entire uh, Hebrew army at that time. And and they were so they were they were so um, outnumbered, outgunned that uh, they were hiding. The Philistines came to attack. They hid. They hid in caves and wherever they could find. I mean, this was a very defeated. Group of people, um, and so here you have Saul, who is supposed to be the king, the leader of the army, who is failing miserably in that. He's he's really made God mad, and uh, and his God's presence has annoyed him. And he's not doing anything. What does it say here? It says that um, Saul was staying under the pomegranate tree in land. I mean. You just get this p- picture. I love, I love the description in the Bible. I mean, pomegranate tree's kind of cool, right? And it's really relaxing. You get this, this beautiful relaxing. He was literally just doing nothing, sitting under a tree, and, and and not taking any responsibility for what needed to happen. And then it goes down through, and Caleb did a great job with all of these, uh, with all of these names, right? Yes. Um, in chat, and verse 3, it goes through and it says all these, uh, Ahijah and uh, was wearing the ephod. And basically, what this does is it gives us a point in time with time references. But it's interesting, it goes through all these names. And Ichabod was one of the names that was, um, that was mentioned here, which scholars are like, Why in the world was Ichabod even mentioned, right? Because it really doesn't. Add a whole lot to the story except for the fact of what Ichabod means. right. And it just means the glory has left. Mm. The glory is left. Right? That's it's and it just it just shows the state of, of the leadership of this, this group of people. So um, in any case, we get up to verse 4. And it says there were sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross. Actually, let's go back. Let me go back to verse 1. It says, The same day Saul's son Jonathan said to his attendant, who carried his weapons, Come on, let's cross over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. However, he did not tell his father. Why would he not tell his father? (coughs) Father, yeah, he would have talked about it. He would have told him, "You're not allowed to go, right?" If his father was too scared, he wasn't going to send his son. Right. So Jonathan, there was something in Jonathan. And the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of insight into what was in the heart of him, but uh, and what brought him to this point. But there was something inside that that I can imagine. He was just seeing the plight of of the Hebrews. He was seeing the 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 failure of his own father and his father just sort of lounging under a pomegranate tree and and seeing this Philistine encampment that needed the, to be taken down. It was a specific location. It was a fortified, not a fortified, well, in a way it was fortified because of where it was located. But they had, There was a sharp cliff on either side. They had to go up through it. It was, they you know, this had to be taken out. So Jonathan gets this idea that he's going to go over and he says to his armor bearer secretly, he doesn't tell anybody else, let's cross over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. Alright, now that's a that's kind of a ridiculous thing to be saying uh, to, to anyone, uh, let alone his armor bearer. So there's there's no like strategic plan here. There's nothing for him that you know he's really thinking about. He's just he's just going to the person who carried his weapons, his armor. Now, let's talk for, for a couple minutes about that. What was the armor-bearer and what was purpose? The armor-bearer was someone that would have had a very special strength in loyalty and courage. There would They would be kind of a, a cut above in loyalty and courage of all soldiers because the life of the officer, officers would be the only ones that would have an armor-bearer the life of the officer was in the hands of the armor-bearer. If the armor-bearer did not do his job, the officer was at risk. So the armor bearer would really, that the reason they got their name is when the officers are moving about and, and, uh, and having their meetings and, and, and their basic dealings, they would tend the arms. they carry the spears and the swords and whatever else if they took their helmet off you know, so that the, you know, the, 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 the leader, um, the, the officer, would be freed up to do what they needed to do. That was the one job of the armor bearer. But the armor bearer had, and that's, I would say, a bit of an easier job. It's, it's picking up the pieces, it's making sure that everything's taken care of so that the officer doesn't have to worry about those things. But the other job that the armor bearer had was in the, uh, It was a different job, it was when they went into battle. Of course, the, the officer would take on all of his own armor, and he would begin to fight. Where was the armor bearer? Six. He was right here behind him. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the, we talked about the armor of God last uh, last, last couple of weeks. Have you noticed anything about the armor? Yes, it's all forward
1: facing.
0: It's all offensive facing, right? It's the direction in which your attention is. There's nothing that speaks at the back. There's nothing that speaks now. Now, granted, a lot of there was plenty of armor. We know this. We've seen the movies. We've seen the stories. We've seen the historical documents of there was plates under the back and stuff like that. But the Bible doesn't talk about those things. It talks about the front things only. It doesn't talk about anything from the back. Even if you had armor in the back, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good if someone sneaks up behind you. They're going to take you out. It doesn't matter what you have instead you need a person to your back and that person is supposed to watch it watch your back in fact caleb stand up here a lot of armor bearers some scholars had said uh, that that uh, many of the tactics of the armor bearer caleb if, if I'm Caleb's armor bearer and he's fighting, of course, I would always put him front because he's stronger than me. More, more courageous, right? I would put him to the front. But uh, I would always be watching his back as he's moving forward. And when he's stationary and fighting, I would be here. Yeah. Okay? I would be here that nobody can get him. I'm keeping an eye on everything. I'm not turning my back to the enemy. He's got to turn his back to you you know, because he's facing here. So I'm going to be facing this way to make sure. But I go where he goes. He's not following me. I'm following him. All right? The armor bearer would carry the armor, attention to detail, attention to, to helping the officer when he's not in war. And when he's in war, he's fighting to the back to make sure that this officer was safe. That's his one job. That's his one job. So here we are. Okay, we just did, uh, what was that, chapter? Uh, Verse 1. All right, and I talked about verse 2. Saul was under the pomegranate tree and so forth. Now we come down to verse 4. There were sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine garrison. One was named Boaz, and the other was Sinec. And there's no, I looked at it, there's no huge significance. Uh, One is slippery or gleaming, and the other one is jagged. So maybe there's some significance there. Uh, One stood to the north in front of Michmash, and the other to the south in Gilead. Jonathan said to to the attendant who carried his weapons, Come on, let's cross over to the garrison of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Mm. I love what he said here. Mm. This is so authentic to me. This is so absolutely authentic. Mm -hmm. He said, come on, let's go over. Perhaps. (laughs) Right? Amen. We have to be careful, men and women of God. We have to be careful to always be saying, God said. God told me. I hear this all the time. And I'm, I have heard, of all the times that I've heard this, I've seen fallacy in it than truth. I've seen people using those words for their own personal gain and to justify their own thought processes. They have taken what they wanted, their passions, their desires, what they've already made up their mind to do, and say, God told me. How can you argue with God? Right? So you go to the person and you say, I don't think that you should be doing this, but God told me. Okay, argument
1: over.
0: Guard yourself against that. It's manipulation. And it's lying. It's taking God's name in vain. You thought taking God's name in vain was only saying the explicitives that we don't say. It's using God for your own personal agenda. Be careful. I'm not saying that you should. There are many instances where God said, and you say God said. But no, it's Him. Test your heart. In fact, most of us, when we're following God's mission, when he, when he puts something, a challenge or a mission in front of us, we don't really know for sure how to do it, timing. Even we sometimes question, did God really say there's always this element of doubt. That's natural, right? That's called our humanity. I, that's why we should be longing to be in the actual presence, the physical presence of the Lord one day. Mm-hmm. When we stand before him in eternity, right? We should be longing for that because we don't have to deal with this the limitation of our own humanity. That we only prophesy in part, and we only, you know, understand and know things in part, like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says we have to be very careful. What Jonathan saw was something that was wrong. What Jonathan saw was that something needed to be done. And his father wasn't doing it. And he understood how God operates. He understood God in principle. He did not say, God told me to go over and fight that garrison all by myself. He didn't say that, did he? He said, this is what seems right this is what seems to be lining up with the things that I've read in Scripture. He would have known and grown up in the words that, uh, of, of, of the, um, uh, the book of Judges and things when it talked about Gideon, who was called by God to take on major armies when he first had 30,000 people at his hands and God whittled it all the way down to 300. He literally took it, and that's when he said, I know that God can save by little or by few, by by many or by few. Yeah. Because I I know He would have understood these things. He would have known that that God God's economy and God's math is different from ours.
1: Yeah.
0: He would have seen how God takes uh, strongholds down, uh, like like Jericho, where he where he just tells them, i just just you to march around it for seven days. And then shout, and everything comes down. He would have known these things about God. that God does the supernatural, he is not limited at all yeah. with numbers or what is seen in the natural. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so he sees this people coming against God's people. That was a hard David. Remember when David went against Goliath? He was Paul. Yeah. Right? Saul wasn't then doing anything either. And he came against that Philistine giant, Goliath, and took him down with nothing but a sling and a stone. He would have understood that the, the principles of God, that he can move forward and do mighty exploits, but he said, perhaps, perhaps, I don't know for sure if God's gonna make us successful in this. Yeah. Amen. That's honest.
1: Brothers
0: yes. and sisters yes. Be honest in your prayer Don't make yourself out to be more confident Than what you really are
1: Don't make yourself
0: out to be more spiritual Than what you really are right? Be genuine, be authentic All I'm saying is we know that we have a lost world Out there and we're going to go get them Because we know that's the right thing It's a heart of God I have no idea how I'm going to do it But I'm going to start moving I'm going to start. I'm going to to figure it out as I go. Perhaps God will be with us and make us successful. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand the heart here? That was Jonathan's heart. That's how we lead, that's how we push forward. Don't put words in God's mouth that he never said. That's
1: right.
0: Let's cross over. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Again, the principles of God. He understands what what God's heart is and how He operates. Verse 7. His armor bearer responded, Do what is in your heart. You choose. I'm right here with you. Whatever you decide, and this is the this is the thing that I want us to camp on. I love this story, and I love what Jonathan did and this crazy idea that he came up with. That may have been from God, or it may have been his own yeah. observation. Say, you know, I should probably go and do something. We don't know. The Bible doesn't actually say We know the outcome. We don't know where it originated. Of course, we can do nothing without God. If God puts something in your heart to do, and it's in His will, no, no, He's responsible. But it's not Jonathan I'm most impressed with in this story. It's the armor bearer. The armor bearer has to like I said before has to be a person of uncommon loyalty and courage here you had this guy yes he was the armor bearer but he had no rank he had no authority everything that he did was on the coattails of Jonathan. without Jonathan he was nothing no one spoke to the armor bearer and consulted the armor bearer. They spoke to Jonathan. He was always in the shadow. He was always second. And this Jonathan comes to him with a ridiculous idea. Come on, think about it. It's ridiculous. It was stupid. It was kind of. It reminds me a lot of Peter. When Peter, remember when they saw Jesus walking on the water, There's the winds and the waves, and Jesus walking. They thought he was a ghost. And so Peter says. Peter comes up with another stupid idea, you know. Idea. He said, "Jesus, if that's you, call me out onto the water." Okay. Why is this a stupid idea? Because they thought he was a ghost. If the ghost said, "Come," (laughs) boom, (laughs) right, and he's lost. Yeah. But it was Jesus, and he stepped out. And he walked on water. Everybody talks about when Peter falling, right? Because ultimately he lost faith looking at the lives and, and he started to go under the water. But he's the only disciple who walked on water. I call that a win, <laughs> right? I call that a win. Amen. I, I believe the walking on water is the bigger point. But keep walking on water, keep your eyes fixed. Don't give up halfway. And now here you have Jonathan, his armor bearer. They're gonna have to go and make commitment. And they can't afford to go halfway. They're all in. Mm -hmm. God, if you don't come through, we're through. Mm -hmm. If you don't come through and help us, we're through. Mm -hmm. But so the armor bearer hears this. This is why a person, an armor bearer, has to have an uncommon sense of loyalty and courage. Because it's it's not him. It's not for him to decide what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. It's for him to say, whatever is in your heart, it doesn't matter how it sounds. That's right. It doesn't matter how it looks. Even though I can't see it in me, in my heart, even though I can't visualize it with my eyes, if you can, I'm with you. Amen. If you can... I'm right behind you. Do you see that? That takes great faith. Amen. It's the honor bearer saying, I'm trusting the fact that you know what you're doing. I'm trusting the fact that you have God's heart. And if you have God's heart, do whatever in your heart. I'm right there with you. You decide. Whatever you want, you decide. It's on you. It's not, he didn't say, well, okay, Jonathan, I'll be with you, but this condition, that condition. It's it's the worship leader saying, I'm with you Sunday morning, regardless of what I experience Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the pain and the difficulty. Regardless of the... Uh, the I'm, I'm with you no matter how hard it is. Or no matter the outcome. I'm with you. Right? Amen. That is something that we have got to get deep into our spirit. Deep into us. That do we have the heart? Have we the heart? Of our leaders, are we their armor bearer? And I want you to hold that thought because we're going to come back to that. I'm right here with you, wherever you decide, whatever you decide. Verse eight. All right. All right, Jonathan replied. We'll cross over to the men now. Now. Now is his key. Jonathan had the power to command his armor-bearer what to do. But he actually gave him the choice. He says, okay, then. Different translations translate it different ways. But between verse 7, where it says, whatever you decide, the armor-bearer said that, and then verse 8, he says, all right, then. Jonathan replied, we'll cross over. See... As a leader, a leader knows often what they need to do, and they say, I need you to do this. We're going here. I need you to come alongside." And it's the armor bearer to say, I'm with you. It, sure, absolutely, of course. But then there's other times the leader will say, I think this is what God is telling me to do. I think this is what God is wanting us to do. What do you think? Leaders need that, especially when it's a ridiculously stupid idea, when it doesn't make any sense. There's wisdom in the council, right? There's wisdom. Not only did the armor bearer have Jonathan's heart, Jonathan had the armor bearer's heart. Jonathan actually cared about what the armor bearer thought about the idea. See, leadership is not a dictatorship. In fact, Jesus said, you will not lord over one another in my house, as the Gentiles do. Because that's what, it's not this hierarchy. We've got leadership. And you can, when we draw it on a flow chart, it looks hierarchical, but we don't operate that way. It's not, we don't have the sage on the stage type of leadership. We have the guide on the side type of leadership, don't we? Come on, look how much involvement that we all have in way life. Right? We all we're all taking on we're all taking on different things. This is a team effort, right? We have leadership and we have structure. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be defining a little bit more of that. Just because we haven't talked about that for a long time, but it's not it's not this hierarchical, um, uh, commanding type of you know top down trickle leadership. It's 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 much more organic than that. It's much more tribal, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows their place and everybody submits one to another, depending on the circumstances. Yeah. Amen. In fact, one of the principles that we can take away from this is the fact that that there's times when I need you to, to 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 say do what Mike. I want you to do whatever's in your heart. We're with you, right? I'm right there with you. There are times that I need that, but the reverse is also true. When you when God is speaking to you to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And you share that thing. I need to say, do whatever's in your heart. I'm with you.
1: Right.
0: And I'm submitting to you. This happens on a ministry level. This happens on a life group level. This happens on a, come on, all the way down to when we're doing personal ministry and praying over one another. That's
1: right. There's an
0: idea, there's a concept of submitting one to another, the Bible talks about. There's this concept of, and, and when we talked about that the mem- uh, we're all members of the same body, right? And we all have different gifts and diff- different spiritual gifts and talents and abilities. When, some, when you're in a situation, and you, I, hope, I hope I model this well, but when we're ministering to certain people, and I know I don't got the stuff for that one, but Joe's got the stuff for that one. He's got the skill. He's got the talent, the anointing for that particular thing. Do you know what I do? I submit to Joe in that moment. So do whatever's in your heart. I'm with you. Right. And then there's other situations where, where I have... The, the gift of the town, the anointing that is needed for that particular situation, and then he re, we reverse it. The same way is in our marriage. You know, we always like to quote, wives, submit to your husbands, right? We love to, yeah. and everything. come on, us guys love that. We live like
1: life. Right?
0: Listen, he was setting some things straight here, but you know what? I know in Lori's, in my relationship, there are many, many times that she that she submits to me, of course. But there's other times where she's the expert, she has the context, she has the, the experience in that one. I submit to her. I'm yeah. like, what? If, if that's what you wanna do, if that's the way to go, I'm gonna to submit to that. So do what is ever in your heart, I'm with you, you see? But the idea is that we have to recognize where we have the abilities, the skills, the anointings, and the gifts. And there's there's different ways, so it's not, it's never one person just going off and doing their thing. It's working right. in concert with one another. This right. concept of having each other's back, this concept of being one another's armor bearer. Right. It's something that we've got to get deep into our hearts. There's a there's a collection of, 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 uh, of uh, when the, the collection the collective of the saints they come together it's not a free-for-all it's not everybody doing right. the same thing it's not the everyone becoming the same person it's not everybody moving in the same way no we're supposed to be different but it's supposed to work yeah. in concert with each other yeah it's, some, it's something that we we do differently it, it has to complement <laughs> It's not saying, well, that's your gift, but I'm, I'm over here. I have a different gift. Yes, we all have different gifts, but the gifts are supposed to work together, not apart. Right. Do you see that? Yes. Yes. It's really easy for us to say, well, I know we're doing this sort of thing, but I feel like God's gifted me a different way. Well, that's fine a gift, you get to gifted you a different way, but it needs to be working in coordination in a complementary way. To the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. When we think about this, I didn't talk about this in the armor of God, but those big door-sized shields that we talk about that they use when it, the, the shield of faith that, that puts out the fiery darts, one of the tactics that they would use with that is when the arrows would come, the many arrows of the enemy would come, and they all the flaming arrows are coming down there. What they would do is they would join shields together. Yeah. And they would literally create an entire wall this way and over, it would arc over, and they. So you had people down here, you had people here, you had people up here, and they would literally create a type of a dome to protect one another, to make an impenetrable fortress. And that's that is all of the gifts working together. Yes. Right.
1: Yes.
0: You. What if one person took, say, the person that's here? They say, you know what? I want to go over here. God's calling me over here. Not only are you going to get taken out, but you left your brothers and six sisters weak. That's right. yeah. you, you, you put a chink in the armor. This is what God is calling us to. He's calling us this place of mutual submission. He's calling this place of unity of heart. It's good. That's good. Unity of heart. There's got to be something inside of us that says, I'm with you. I don't understand you all the time. You can imagine the armor right? bearer saying, Jonathan, you've got some crazy ideas. But honestly, this one takes the cake. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right? <laughs> there's times when our leader comes to us and says, We're going to go do this, and I need you to come with me. They're like, I don't have any experience with that. You've got to get somebody else. No. Have your heart. God, there's a grace and a blessing and anointing when you, we submit one to another. And God will start to give you gifts you didn't even know you had. Them. Right. Or you didn't have them, and when you step out, all of a sudden, he gives them to you. This backpack guy. Backpack guy, right? Backpack guy. Yeah, I need this out of my backpack, that out of my backpack. Oh, I didn't even know I had that in my backpack. Right? But we, the tools that we need for the, for the moment. But here we have Jonathan and his armchair, and you can see that they have this heart, this connectedness. They weren't just together in proximity. They were together. In spirit. Amen. Which is another important point for us. We can all be in the same room. We can all be in the same life group. But that doesn't mean we're unified. That doesn't mean that we're together. That doesn't mean that we're one. How many families have we, come on, we see it in families all the time. They're living under the same roof, but they're not living with each other. There's something about having one another's heart. And then you have other situations where families live in multiple places, but they have each other heart. They're more connected than people that live under the same roof sometimes. Because it's about heart and spirit. This is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a deep place of unity. Unity is not conformity. Unity is not agreement always. But unity is when you have heart and spirit connected. By the same mission we submit one to another we're soft we're moldable we're teachable we're 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 you know we're covering one another's back we're we're learning just as much about each other as about ourselves we're learning just about each other's gifts as our own gifts yes. why because I need to know what your gifts are because I'm gonna need them right. because those gifts are gonna fill out and, and, uh, and help me in my areas of weakness I need to know if I'm going into a situation, and I need I need a, an intercessor, or I need an evangelist, or I need, you know I need somebody who's talented or or um, and gifted in this area because I don't have it. Uh, who can I get? Who can I get? Oh yes, you, you. I need you to be my armor bearer on this one. Okay, we need to understand one another and submit to one another. We got to be soft and humble and teachable. verse 8 R.A. Jonathan replied we'll cross over to the men and let them see us if they say wait until we reach you then we will stay where we are and not go up to them but if they say come on up then we'll go up because the Lord has handed them over to us that will be our sign hey you know what it's okay to ask for a sign Jonathan didn't know what he was going to do. He just knew he wanted to go over. He said, so let's come up with this plan. Again, I'm not really sure what God's telling me to do here. I just know something needs to be done. So, so I'm going to go up there. And he devises this plan. He says, "Okay, if we show ourselves, like, hey, Bill, let's leave there. I don't know, I see some sort of like, of plans, you. you know, and they're like, and they're like, hey, and all of a sudden they, you know, they call down them and say, well." Come, just stay right there. We're going to come down and, and talk with you. And then we're like, okay, well, we know God's not in it. They didn't say they were going to run away either. <laughs> they are probably just going to die. But if they said, hey, come on up here, guys. That'll be our sign that God is with us. Sometimes we need a sign. Yes. We need a sign. God, if you do this, it's okay to ask God for that. I mean, he asked for a sign. Gideon asked for a sign, the fleece. Yeah, he did it twice. Right? God's okay with that. He, if, if you have God's heart, and he has your heart, you can ask God for something. He's not intimidated by it.
1: Now, if you continue to ask for signs after God told you to do something,
0: he'd be like, all right, I'm... Um, <laughs> You should know better by right? now. You should be mature enough right? You should know my voice well enough right? by now. But Jonathan, he was stepping out and doing something that nobody has ever done before. He had no context or experience on it, and it had to be God or it wasn't going to work. So he asked for this sign. We'll cross over, let us see it's 11. Verse eleven: They let themselves be seen by the Philistine garrison. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes that they were, they've been hiding. Which is a reference to the prior chapter where they were literally hiding in caves. Mm-hmm. Verse 12, the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up, we'll teach you a lesson. They are probably thinking they were going to make great sport of these two. They probably had a very interesting way that they were going to make them die. Follow me, Jonathan told his armor bearer, for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. Mm. Past tense. Mm. Have you noticed how many past tense there are in the declarations of God? Mm. Things that were about to happen?
1: Mm.
0: If you've been following the teaching of the foundations, how many times have I said past tense, past tense, past tense? Right? It's very similar to what, you know, by his stripes, finish, this, finish the sentence. By his stripes, we were, were, healed. were healed. The Old Testament says, are healed. New Testament, referring to that scripture, says, were. What was the difference? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus came, died, buried, resurrected. Hallelujah. By his stripes, we were healed. Yes, amen. amen. You go up for prayer. You go up to receive healing, you declare that you were healed. Amen. As if it already has occurred. Yes.
1: Amen. That's right.
0: What you're doing is it's not the power of positivity, it's the power of faith and believing God's word is true. Yes. Amen. Right. When they said that, Jonathan had that power of confidence and in, in faith in God, and he said God has handed them. Over, not to me, but to Israel, God's people. Oh man, mm. there's a principle there.
1: Mm, that's right.
0: There's a principle there. Mm. See, Jonathan was not trying to make a name for himself. Mm. Okay. He was not. In fact, that's one of the reasons he snuck out. Not only did he not tell his father that he was going, they didn't tell anybody. There was no fame in it. Brothers, sisters, if you are trying to do things for God to make a name and a reputation for yourself, um, go find another church. I'm, I'm going to say it. Go find another church. I won't have anything to do with that here. I know personally I have to fight that. Because I watch other pastors, other you know peer pastors of mine, they're going out and they're doing all of these things and they're doing, using social media, and they're doing TikToks, and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I should be doing that. You know what? And I should probably brand my, I'm in marketing. I understand branding, right? And I'm like, I should probably do, 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 You know, we could probably capture more people in it and all this kind of stuff. And the Lord just gently reminds me because it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And then I cut that thought out immediately. But it pops up every once in a while because of my stupid pride in humanity. Right? And because of your stupid pride in humanity, you may do the same thing at times. Even among my life. Even among your little life group because you want to be heard. You want to be known as the smart one. You want to be known as the anointed one. I want to show everybody how much of the Bible that I know. I'm sorry. If we're motivated that way, please go find another church. We don't have any room for that here. Jonathan went with his armor bearer in secret. And he, when he saw that God was going to move powerfully among them, he gave credit to the God of Israel. Amen. said, Israel is winning this victory today. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. We have to fight this in us. God is calling us to radical humility. Yes. Radical humility. We do not have to make a name for ourselves for God to use us powerfully. And I don't care if way life grows to the point where we've got 3,000 people, I hope nobody knows my name or yours among it. I want God's name to be glorified. Hallelujah. That was a vision that God gave me at the very beginning about. I want this to spread so big. I want it to be a God's movement and nobody is spreading all over the place and we don't get credit. Who asked for that? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Not my nature, I don't ask for that. I love the credit. It feels good, right? It would be so great. It would be so wrong. It would be a slap in God's face. And and God would say, I share my glory. No man. No man. It's all him. We're simply members, parts of his body. With Christ as the head. He is the one that's glorified. He is the one that receives all praise and admiration. Amen? Jonathan says to his own bearer, the Lord has handed them over to Israel. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet With his armor bearer, where? Behind him. Now think about this. He climbed on his hands and feet. The last principle here is when God tells us to do something, when God says, I want you to go and do something, or we're just going in that direction, hoping that God's with us, and we're testing to see, God, is this really you? And we're putting those things out there. Even when God confirms it, even when God confirms it, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. No. Great. In fact, it's almost positively going to be just the opposite. Right. It's not going to be something. We talk about, even when we're talking about Jericho, right? All the walls came down, but yeah, all the people and the warriors were still inside. They had to go up in there and fight a battle. I don't care if it was an easy, quote unquote, easy victory. No easy victory is ever easy. Because war is war. War is hard, right? There had to be a fight, even though God was fully in it. They still had to do it. Now, military commanding terms, yes, it was easy. But for the individual person on the ground that's swinging the sword, it's anything but easy. You see what I'm saying? So they go up there. They're climbing hands and feet. They're climbing this steep grave. They had to work. They had the labor to go and do it. Just and and here's the thing: the armor bearer stayed behind even when it got hard. Mm-hmm. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet, and his armor bearer behind him. Jonathan cut them down, and his armor bearer followed and finished them off. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Right. Jonathan is now moving. I mean, I can just see the scene. He's moving with such anointing of God's grace and power. I mean, I could see, I could imagine in my mind's eye, I don't take this as, 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 as doctrine, but I see when he first threw that, that first swing, there was an energy and a power that he had never experienced before that came over him. And he began to just, fight and probably in ways he had never before the supernatural power of God that he was moving so fast through these people that he couldn't even finish them off the armor bearer had to do that Yep. see there is a principle in this isn't there the leader will start the process but the leader isn't the one that necessarily finishes it Waylife is an apostolic church. Apostolic churches, apostolic people such as myself start things but rarely finish them. We start things, we raise other people up, release them into it, let them do the the work and the finishing, and we start something else. We start that process over and over and over again. I'm really good at starting things. I'm not good at finishing them. My wife can tell you. Did you know that when we did our kitchen, when did we do our kitchen over thirteen years ago?
1: Maybe.
0: Yeah, somewhere around then. Mm-hmm. Right. We did the new the tabletop 12 13 years ago. I had this idea of this under the cabinet lighting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Real We cool. flip the switch and then just light lit below the cabinet. It's real pretty. Right? Did you know the. I did everything else. Do you know the wiring for that is still sticking out of the wall? And i never installed the lights. It was the last like 3% of the entire project, and it went undone. Why? I needed an armor bearer. I ran into a problem that I didn't know how to fix with the lights, and then I was on to something else. I'm like, I, I give up. I needed an armor bearer to finish that up. Take that, where I, I could only go so far. When the armor bearer had to finish it, right? I never had that armor bearer. Fortunately, that's an area where Lori is not the greatest armor bearer, right? <laughs> In that area. I know I've got to get a different armor bearer when it comes to electrical work. <laughs> it's my personality. It's my gifting. It's it's It has its weaknesses, but it also has its good strengths. And it's the same way with yours, right? And you can charge ahead but only gets so far. You need the others to come behind you Amen. to finish it up because you are not enough. Amen. I'm sorry, guys. If I hear that in one more word lyric, in one more worship song, and in one more preaching, that God says you're enough. I hate that. I'm sorry. I know I'm probably making a few of you mad because I'm really like insulting a couple of your songs or things you've heard. <laughs> but, you know, God's, I've heard worship songs. God says, I'm, I'm enough. No, He doesn't. He says, You're not enough. You're completely inept right. and any, unable to do anything for yourself. That's, That's why we need Jesus and the body of Christ. Right. Right. You are not That's enough. Little... Get over yourself. You're not that great. I'm sorry. You're not. Now what is true about that statement that I think people are trying to communicate is everything that God has placed in you is enough for him to use. Right? But you and yourself is not enough. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It takes the pressure off. I'm not enough, God. So you need to come through and use my brothers and sisters to help me. How are you going to do that? Because you already know I'm not enough.
1: That's right. Amen.
0: See what I'm saying? Yeah. We're not enough on our own. We can start things. If you're heading up and you're leading something and you think you've got everything it takes to lead it, you are so absolutely deceived. (laughs) If you're going out there all by yourself and you're the lone wolf and you are not, you don't have the brother, brothers and sisters coming up to be your armor bearer, I'm sorry you are setting yourself up for failure. That's right. yeah. The enemy is going to have a heyday with you. Yeah. Even when Jesus sent out the disciples, what did he send them out? Two by two. Yeah. Nobody went out alone. The only one that could handle alone was Jesus. And even then he chose most of the time to keep his people with him. Right? We are always to have someone with us. We are not to be a lone ranger. Who has your heart and whose heart do you have? God is moving us forward. Now, let's, what happens here in the end? Jonathan climbed up in his hands and cut him down. Armor bearer followed after, verse 14. In that first assault... Jonathan, his armor bearer, struck down 20 men in a half an acre field. What's a half an acre? If you've ever been to my house, my whole fenced area is a half an acre. So they moved across there and they defeated 20 men. Two people took out 20, right? Pretty impressive, I would say. But that wasn't going to be enough. God was going to have to step in and do something even more supernatural because there was no way that those two people were going to be able to do it all. We need the supernatural movement of God to to come and to multiply their effort. In verse 15, terror spread through the Philistine camp and the the open fields uh, to all the troops. Even the garrison and the raiding parties were terrified. The earth shook and terror spread from God. And it goes on that they got so confused that the enemy started fighting each other. Oh, man. Can we keep the fighting each other to the enemy and not to us? Amen. Can we please, as the body of Christ, get the en- get the enemy to be divided and cutting each other down and not us? Yes, Amen. There's power in unity. A house divided against itself will fall. There has to be the heart. We have to feel one heart and one spirit. I've been talking about God has us in a time of reset. There's this resetting of our foundation, affirming firming up of our foundation, and and God is saying one of the, there's, He's doing that in a lot of different ways, and one of the ways that He's saying, one of the ways He's doing it, He goes, I want the people of Waylife to be of one heart, yeah, and one mind, amen, and one spirit, amen, operating by one spirit. I'm not asking all the people in Waylife to conform to one another and to be the same. We are to celebrate the differences of what God has done and has done in each one of us individually. And Waylife is not a sum of its parts, but it's a group of people working together in concert. Amen? So the question Amen. I have for you today is, do you have one another's heart and spirit? More, it's more than attendance, guys. If you think that's found in attendance alone, you're missing the point entirely. It's not just about being there. It is about being. You got to be there, right? Got to be a part. But it goes way beyond that. Way beyond that. Do we have one another's? If we do, God can save. The loss. Whether there's a lot of us or mm-hmm. there's a few of us. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about how big we are. Mm-hmm. Do I want to see growth? Of course I want to see growth. Do I want to see more people coming to the gospel to come to get saved by the gospel? Absolutely. Do I want us to grow? Yes, of course, but that's not the goal. Mm-hmm. My goal is to, is, is, is to do and be obedient to what God has called us to do, and to let Him do whatever with us. It doesn't matter if we're small. It doesn't matter if we're great. What I care about, are we one? Yeah. Are we one? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? There's something so much deeper that we've got to get a hold of. When you're one of heart... When you're one of mind, you're one of spirit, Mm -hmm. things can go sideways. We can have difficulties. We can have disagreements. But we'll we'll beat every one of them. That's right. When you are of one heart and one mind and unified, the enemy can throw every fiery dart at way life and it will take it. Right. And it will move. But if we don't have oneness of a unity of spirit and heart and mind, He can throw a paperclip at us and it'll take us out. right yeah exactly right. Yeah. amen. We become weak. God's looking for different people. I believe what God is calling us to is so unique. It shouldn't be, but it's so unique. Most churches, are, I, I feel like God's saying this universally to the church, but not everybody's listening. Mm-hmm. He's not, they're not listening. We've got to, this age of individualism,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's got to die. Yep.
1: That's
0: got to be ripped out of our culture. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's not about personalization and individualism. It's not about, we're not, again, we're not a sum of our parts, right? We have to complement one another your gifts and our abilities. And the only way to do that is to love one another, support one another, and commit to be one another's armor bearer. That's right. I'm not I'm not asking you guys to be my... This was not about you guys coming and just saying, I'm going to charge... Whatever you say, I'm with you, Mike, Great. Right? That's the sage on the stage mentality. I have no interest in that. Yeah. In fact, my interest is for you guys to become so powerful and great in the gifts and the callings, I could disappear entirely into into the background I don't I, you know not go start something else like I want this way life should stand on who it is as opposed to hey how you, going? you have coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I want way like to stand with or without the documents it came in honestly if it can't mm-hmm. we failed as leaders mm-hmm. What if God called us next year to go to New Mexico? (laughs) Puerto Rico. Huh? Of course. Northern Arizona. Right, babe? (laughs) Yeah. What if He called us to that and said, you know, we've got to go and God's got to call us somewhere else? Will way life continue? If it doesn't, we fail. Can we just all yeah. go with you? No. <laughs> we just go with you. Not. I mean, <laughs> I, like, uh, the I mean, we can take. You know, maybe we'll just go and set up <laughs> way, way West. You know, we'll do way life West. We'll have Florida for way South, right? This is way life Northeast, right? And we can do all of that. But it's not. A, you get my point, right? Yeah. It's not about us. It's not about us. Are you committed? Do you have a better heart? What does it take? One another's heart—it's love and commitment towards one another. It's enduring to the end. It's—it's it's resolving conflict in a in a peaceful and loving way, in a caring way. It also—it means rebuking one another in love. That's all a whole part of it. Be good at, at bringing rebu- rebuke and love. Be good at receiving rebuke and love. Iron sharpening iron. We're not always going to get along. We're not always going to right. We're all, But if we have one another's heart, it's okay. We endure. It's a family. It's what families do. Amen? Amen. I I need to stop. I'm so passionate about this. Can you tell? I'm so passionate about this. This is, guys, I am convinced, I'm convinced, categorically. I need you to hear this. If we get this, we move forward. Amen. If we don't get this, this is all we have. That's right. Right? We stop. We won't move forward. Why? Because God will not take you past your last act of disobedience. And God is commanding us to be of one mind and one spirit. He's commanding it. And if we don't respond, if we don't become that, in a very practical, material way, not just in head knowledge, but in action, right? Heart and action. We don't need one. The way life is this, and that's it. And we, and some of you would be like, oh, this is cool. This, this is good enough for me. But it's not about you. It's not what God wants to do through us. To bring him more glory and bring him more reward mm-hmm. for his sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Joey, you